It's the lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for amazing deals days. Until February 16th only, 0.99% financing plus a $10,000 cash discount on remaining in-stock Denali half-tons. Visit WolfGMCBuick.com. Wow. That's bagged milk money right there. Outstanding. Okay. We have coming up this hour two guests and Declan. I mean, you can't beat that. Alexis Downey will join us, host and content producer of Duckstream, talking about Frank Vitrano scoring a big goal at the All-Star game and how well the Ducks are playing recently as we preview tomorrow night's game with the Oilers. Right now, though, our friend Bag Milk from Oilers Nation. How are you? Doing very well, Al. How are you doing? I'm good. I have a question for you. I, I sure. don't want to put you on the spot, and I'm probably going to ask you something that is well-known, and maybe I knew it at one time, but I've forgotten it. I'm not sure. But on my blog roll, I was looking at it the other day, and I have jean shorts bagged milk. And I don't know when I'd put it in there, and I don't know when that blog went away if it did. Was that you? Yeah, that was originally, uh, man, I remember sending you an email to see if I could get loaded on there. That was probably when, I couldn't even tell you what year, but uh, that is now defunct. It is now gone. Blog roll, but that was originally kind of where it started to get me at OilersNation.com. So that is a throwback to many, many moves ago. So I I can take it down off the blog now, then, because it's not it's not using it's not usable. No, it's right. definitely not active. Hasn't been for probably a decade at this point. <laughs> so no, I think you should pull that one up. Well, I've got to do better maintenance on that damn blog, obviously. Um, okay. Let's talk about the Vegas game because I know a lot of a lot of people were heading down there. They were having fun. It was a riotous, riotous All Star break based on sixteen Ws. They didn't get it done. A uh, lot of disappointment. Where do you see the orders now? I see them the exact same place I saw them before that game against Vegas. I thought that the Oilers played very, very well in that game. But sometimes you have to tip your cap to a goaltender that makes some big saves. The Oilers also hit some posts. They missed a couple of opportunities. They played well. But sometimes in pro hockey and pro sports, that's the way the cookie crumbles. And that game really felt like a coin flip. And it felt like whoever's going to get the last save was going to end up winning. And ultimately, that's what happened. You know, on the game winner by Chandler Stevenson, I thought there was a little bit of a mystery there by Cody Cece. And it ends up in the back of the net for what ended up as a game winner. But the Oilers were right there in the end. And I think that now they have the opportunity to start another 16-game win streak on Friday night against the Ducks. It's not going to be easy. They've got to make sure their details are dialed in, and they need to make sure they're ready to play. But ultimately, I think that that's just good sports right there. That's what that is. They played two good teams going at it, and unfortunately, we came out on the wrong side of that loss. And I think if they win both California games, it's a road trip. Uh, Anaheim's playing better. L.A. is a very good team, although they've struggled, but they have a new coach. Chances are they'll be the, the dead cat bounce. Uh, and, and Vegas, we know who they are. If they come back 2-1, and one, I think fans should be pleased by that. 100%. 1,000%. I, I think that the Oilers, what they've done over the last six, eight weeks has been really remarkable to watch. And there's no reason to be dejected by one loss in February. Losses were going to happen. They weren't going to win out the rest of the season. We all knew that. But now... Let's make sure that we're not letting one loss turn into two, turn into three. Let's get back on the right side of the equation, right side of the ledger here. And I think that there's an opportunity to do that in Anaheim on, on Friday night. Like you said, they're playing much, much better there. But they're still a team that's, you know, four, five, and one their last ten despite winning their last two. So I think that there's still an opportunity there. That's a team that, in my opinion, 
see where they should be more often than not. And let's take it one day at a time. But where I think about the Oilers is they are still going to be challenging for home ice in the playoffs. They've got some games in hand. Uh, over the teams that they're chasing. But now it's important to make good on those games in hand. If you don't win those games in hand, then they're really they're really valueless. So that's the way I'm looking at it. I see an opportunity to get back in the win column and until proven otherwise, that's just where my mindset is going down the back half of the stretch, back half of the season. Bag Nelk, our guest from Oilers Nation on Sports 1440 in the lowdown with low tide. So I know it's a small sample, but but we're in instant analysis business what do you think of Corey Perry on the line with Ryan McLeod and Dylan Holloway? I, I like the way that line is producing chances. I think that they've got a little bit of chemistry going. It's going to take some more time to see it develop. But like against Vegas, we saw that line producing chances. Now, they didn't get a goal, but with a little bit of luck, they probably would have had one. I think of later in the game in the third period, Corey Perry had a wide open look at the net, just went up high and wide. That could have been a big difference right there. It's going to take some time to gel. But I like the way those three are playing together. There's a lot of speed. There's a veteran there that's going to pull them into the fight whether they want to or not. And for a guy like Holloway and a guy like McLeod, I think that might be good for their development as well. Show them that there's no reason to be timid. They're big boys. They can get in the mix. And Corey Perry, like I said, is going to drag them in there. So I really like the way that line's looking right now. And if they could start to chip in with a little offense, which I truly believe is coming based on the way they're playing together, then all of a sudden the Oilers are going to have three legit options to potentially score. And I don't know about you, Al, but the idea of three scoring lines has been a dream that I've had since I started following this team, and I feel like we're so, so close to making that happen. So you didn't think the Toby Peterson line was a scoring line then, based on what you're saying. You thought that was maybe the fourth line. Listen, I had a lot of a lot of hope for Jeff Jocks up on the first line as well, but sometimes the plan doesn't come to fruition. It doesn't work out the way we think it would. So this time, I actually feel a lot more confident in the plan. Um, but yeah, I do remember those days where Toby Peterson was moonlighting up on the top six, and Jeff Jocks started the season on the top line. So we are a long way from those those line combos. I'll tell you that much. It's funny because I remember the. I don't know whether it was Bob. I don't remember who. It might have been Gregor. Somebody tweeted out the lines or sent out the lines or published the lines. And I, I, you know how sometimes you read stuff and it doesn't register, so you got to read it again and again. And I remember Pat Quinn's first lineup that he sent out there. I think Gagne and Morrow were on the fourth line. And I'm like, this is like bizarro world. And uh, uh, Jacques was on the, the top line and it didn't last long. I, I think the, the, the Jacques Horkoff Hemsky line lasted like a minute 24, but it was a shock to the system. I'm sure the players were surprised by it too. Oh, 100%. Was, I remember those days. And, you know, I even remember, as you're talking about it, all I can think about was the joint press conference where Tom Rennie and Pat Quinn came out as a unit. And they were going to be the co-coaches or whatever the labels were at that time. And it just seems like forever ago. It kind of was at this point, but it, it's so bizarre to look back on some of those line combos and just how the team was going at that point. But at the same, at the same time, Oilers fans always had hope. Hope will never die in this market. And no. even when we had Gagne on the fourth and Jock on the first, we still believed that there was a chance it could work. And uh, I think we're a little bit older and a little bit wiser, but... Um, yeah, those are some interesting memories for sure, especially having covered the team at that point. You know, you make a great point, Bag Milk. I, I think one of the things that does make Oiler fans unique and allowed them to suffer through the decade of darkness that really, you know, was a little longer than a decade is that that there's a there's a, a belief deep inside Oiler fans that one day the promised land will be reached and 
I think they're closer now than they've been at any time since 2006. Is that fair? I completely agree with you. As you were talking and as you were talking about the hope we all felt, I think back to one specific offseason where the Oilers signed Ben Eager, Darcy Hordachuk, and Eric Belanger took the extra year because he believed in what was going on around here. (laughs) We are light years from that moment. We are light years from that. We've got the two best players in the NHL on the roster. We've got depth for the first time. We're talking about a team that looks nothing like those ones we used to watch back in the day, except for the clothes they're wearing on the ice. And I think that's pretty special that this that the fan base has stuck with this club throughout all those dark times. And now, hopefully, we're going to enjoy some of the fruits of that hardship. I remember that because Ben Eager was the big forward free agent signing. There was Hardichuk and Belanger, but, Hard- but Eager was expected to play a physical game. And he got wrecked by a guy named Carol Tulipoff in the, I think it was the, uh, was it the Joey Moss Joey game? Moss yeah. <laughs> he didn't even, he didn't even get into preseason. The Oilers had so many things happen that were just like catastrophic. It was almost like you expected, Colby Kosh said it was like you walked outside and you expected the anvil to fall directly on your head. That was being an Oilers fan at that time. It really was. It really was. But at the same point, the, the positive the positive attitude towards the team remained. It was always there. And even when things went sideways, we ended up having some fun with it anyway. At OilersNation.com, that's when we started talking about exciting last place hockey. Because at the time, we were looking for top picks. And we were still wanting the boys to compete hard and to win. But that just didn't go the way they wanted. So I think back to that 2011-2012 season when Ben Eager first joined us and Again, even though that's only 12 years ago, it feels like a lifetime ago. It does. Um, this changes every week, so I ask it every week. I'm not lazy, I promise. What do you see the need being now? I mean, right wing center, right defense, backup goalie, the same. But what's the what's the number one need, or, or are we not sure? Maybe it's best player. I think best player might be the approach they actually take. But what I prefer is, you know, you see – and again, I'm no I'm no mathematician and I'm no GM. And thankfully that there's there's guys with a lot more experience that are in those roles. But to me, I look at the team and I think about the way the playoffs went last year specifically, where we had outside of Connor and Leon some you know some some trouble scoring goals in the playoffs. And and I think that was a big reason that the Oilers inevitably bowed out to Vegas in the second round is because some of that depth scoring wasn't there. So when I look at the lineup now, man, I'd love to have a scoring winger right beside Leon Drysaddle. Is it Jake Gensel? It might be Jake Gensel. Can they make that work, though? Could they make the cap work? Could they make the trade work? Do they have the assets that Pittsburgh would need to make happen? On the other hand, could they swing something with Calgary for a guy like Chris Tanev? Of course, he needs to be healthy, but ultimately, if you're going to upgrade on Cody Cece, you need a sure thing. The boys on Tyler Yarmuk's show, Others Nation Every Day, spoke to Luke Dazdick a couple days ago, and he said, listen, if you're going to upgrade on Cece, you better make sure that whatever's coming back is a clear upgrade. You don't want to mess with the juju in the dressing room either. So if I'm picking... I'd love to see a scoring winger beside Leon Dreisaitl. My pick would be Jake Gensel. Of course, making a trade like that happen is easier said than done. My second would be probably an upgrade on defense. And then lower in the lineup, you know, a centerman, a right-handed centerman specifically in the bottom six that can maybe have a little bit of touch, help kill some penalties, take some draws, ease the pressure on Derek Ryan from having to play those center minutes. I think that would be my one, two, three. But, of course, my my wish list and Ken Hall's wish list may not look anything alike. But if it was up to me, Jake Gensel would be in order and he would be here tomorrow. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it would cost the first and maybe Roberg, and that might cause them to stop because he's a rental. But 
I, I also think that, that it's go time because, you know, the summer is going to bring the Leon contract negotiations. You're not assured of these 30 plus wingers being healthy a year from now. They are now. Uh, and it's, uh, the Mandel bombs are, are, you know, they're, they're barking. And I think this might be the time to do it. If the Edmonton Oilers were to win the Stanley Cup, I think I've asked you this before, but I want you to say it again. Where would the party be? Would it be White Avenue? Would it be in front of the the uh, uh, arena, or would it be maybe at Nation Headquarters? Well, I think that is important to start at Nation HQ. That's where we're going to kick it off. But then I think if you remember back to 2006 when we were all migrating to White Ave after the Oilers would win hockey games, I think it's going to be a touring party. We're going to start at Rogers' place. We're going to weave our way down Jasper. We're going to cross the high-level bridge. We're going to go to White Ave. We're going to set up shop there. They're going to have to close the streets down again. Now, listen, I'm not talking about bonfires in the middle of the street with the pallets like we saw in 2006. But somewhere between that and a wild block party, I think, is going to be the case. But the reality is when the Oilers win the Stanley Cup, this city is not going to stop celebrating for months. When you look back at when the Capitals won the Cup and you saw Ovechkin celebrating in the fountains at the Bellagio, we're all going to be in the fountains at the ledge. We're all going to be in the fountains anywhere near us. So I just cannot wait to be in this city because the party is going to be going on no matter where you're at, and I can't wait to see it. The city is a great place when the Oilers are in the playoffs. And when they win, I'm going to have to clear my schedule. I'm probably going to have to take a couple of weeks (laughs) off work because I'm going to be doing nothing productive. The whole town is going to be a mess for a couple of weeks. So it was... was, um, Shirts off for Horkoff. Why don't we go in with uh, uh, take off your leotards for Bouchard? What are we doing if, if that happens? Do we have a rhyme yet? I don't have a rhyme yet, but it's important that we think of one, you know? Uh, we're not mad for Dad. I'm just spitballing here. But all I know is I'm going to be ordering Lederhosen in Oilers colors for every single win so that no matter what happens, I'm supporting Leon Dreisaitl and making him feel a little bit more at home. we got a big contract negotiation coming up in the summer. So if he feels a little bit more like home, I think that's important. So while I have to work on the rhyme, Val, I already have the outfit in place, and it is going to be blue and orange Lederhosen. Love and it. we're all going to look great while we're wearing it. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, Bag Milk. Have a great one. I appreciate you. Thanks, Al. All right. There goes Bag Milk. It's like there goes Ryman Simon. Take off the leotard for Bouchard. That's kind of gross. Um, feeling no pain for Kane. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, stuff does rhyme with Deharnay, but you got to get there. You got to pack a lunch. Fall away for Holloway. Get scary for Perry. I think it's got to be one of the big ones, like Hyman or Dreisaitl or McDavid, obviously. Go all Mary Poppins for Nugent Hopkins. Declan, do you have anything at all? Do you have anything to add? Any, any ideas along this area? Ever since you've, I've been trying to rhyme some with Deharnay. Okay. Nothing's come to mind yet. Um, let me think of a different one. What about keep it simple? Proud from a cloud. Okay. All That's right. Not bad, right? Like it. Like it. Like it. Don't get scary because we have Perry. <laughs> it's not bad either. I like it. Okay. Well, we've got all day, and people can text us. Maybe they'll come up with it. Very... Go mogul for Fogel. Okay. There now you go. I'm just saying what works. Well, I mean, you know, we're, <laughs> that's sort of the show. So that's okay, too. All right. On the way, we're going to talk a little bit about Anaheim Ducks. 
Let us play them tomorrow. Alexis Downey, host and content producer for Duckstream on the way. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Visit them at wolfgmcbuick.com. At 121, joined now by Alexis Downey, host and content producer for Duckstream. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, we all started out like a week ago uh, looking for all kinds of good things. And Frank Vitano just took care of business and became a celeb for good reason. Uh, and Anaheim Ducks fan <laughs> must be thrilled with their all-star. Absolutely. You know, Frank Vitrano has had a great season so far and just... We were so excited he had the opportunity to play in his first All-Star game, and he really showed out and did well, too. The The Ducks are an interesting team because um, when going into the break, you know, we all know where the, you know, what the standings are, and the, the, the Pacific Division is a tough division, and they're, you know, 38 points in 50 games, but they, they won two in a row, and I think my math is right, three wins and an overtime loss to Dallas, a very good team. It seems like even though we know where they are in the standings, the Ducks are putting some things together here. They certainly are. I think it's it's been an interesting season in Anaheim, but definitely a lot of improvements overall this year. And I think that's really reflected in the play on the ice. I mean, there's been so many one-goal games that this team has, has lost, but, you know, they, they were still in a lot of those. But when you look at some of those games right before the break, I mean, I think it was kind of a combination of a few things. But, yeah, it's – it's been good to see the Ducks kind of get rewarded for their play as of late, right before the break. They've had, uh, you know, I, I watched the uh, the minor league team, and and they, you know, they've got really good players have been developing. Uh, uh, Dostal, the goaltender, uh, also some, you know, teenagers like Carlson and Mintikoff and and Zellweger. I mean, I know he's going to be a great player. Mason McTavish. You can see what the build is there, and and where they're going to be. You know, I say a couple of years, but it could be even sooner than that. When they when they spike, when this thing blossoms, they're gonna they're gonna climb up the 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 standings because they have so much young talent. Fair. Yeah, that that's definitely a whole part of the plan here in Anaheim. I know our general manager Pat Verbeek just talks about how we've been able to build that prospect pool and then you know develop those guys. Um, you know, we have a first year head coach down in San Diego. Matt McIlvain, he's done a great job with a lot of those younger guys this season. Um, even some that you didn't note there, Nate Gauthier, uh, you know, he he's someone that he's in his first year professionally with the Gulls, and um, he comes from a winning pedigree. So it's kind of been a little bit of a transition for him, Nikita Nastarenko. The Ducks just have a lot of guys down in San Diego who are starting to build. And then even on their roster right now, um, you know, that, that's that been something that's been fun to watch. You know, Leo Carlson, Pavel Mintikov, even though he's out right now. But, yeah, it, it's certainly been exciting and definitely a part of the plan. And Lukas Dostal, um, you know, he, he started out the season so well. He was the NHL's Rookie of the Month back in October. So it's it's a lot of younger faces in the organization, and the fans are, you know, getting to know them a little bit more this year, seeing their debuts. We've had a lot of debuts so far, but um, it, it is certainly exciting, you know, to see them just starting to come up to the NHL level and just thinking about the future for the organization. wanted to ask you about uh, one of the really good young players had a tough year and now injured uh, again, 
I guess, and out for a time. Trevor Zegras, uh, sometimes these these moments where uh, clearly a guy who's played well and a real talent in the NHL, building a resume, this is going to be a, a difficult year for him, but also probably a process where, where you know, the maturation process, part of it is, you know, you get frustrated and you overcome those things. Been a tough year for Zegras. Yeah, you know, it is interesting just looking at his numbers this year. I mean, he's only played in 20 games. He's out right now, obviously down on the IR, but um, he signed his contract in the offseason, and, you know, Ducks fans are really happy about that. But with that contract came an expectation that he was going to develop his defensive game as well as, you know, those that offensive skill that we see already. He was going to be working on that defensive side of his game. So I think that having that emphasis that we've seen throughout the season when he has been playing has, you know, kind of changed the way maybe he's been producing this year. And I feel like, you know, a lot of players go through lulls in their career. And uh, for Zegras, I think it's, it's just been a lot of changes for him this year. Also, you know, having a new head coach, um, you know, playing alongside some different guys, having a Leo Carlson now um, up front. So it has been unfortunate that he has gotten injured and, you know, hasn't played in a lot of games, Um, you know, early in the season when he was out, Maybe, you know, he he came to training camp a lot later than a lot of the other guys. And you have to think that maybe that kind of affects the player not having that time on the ice. But it has been difficult, you know, to see that Zegers hasn't necessarily been putting up the points. And the the hardest part about it was that he was playing his best hockey before he got injured. So definitely in a different year for Trevor Zegers. Adam Henrique's name is out there, uh, obviously a veteran, and with the... Uh, the trades already of of Monahan and Lindholm, uh, he would be, I think, the top center available. Also, all veteran, a guy who's who's done a lot of good things and and has value. Ever watch the the Ducks? He's a big player for them. Um, this is a player if you're if you're building and the Ducks have have made a few trades here in the last year or so where they're they're getting younger and their draft picks are coming up. He should Henrique should get a, a lot of value should they decide to decide to trade him. He should get a lot of value here as we get closer to the deadline. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, especially um, just what we've seen from him and just his ability to play alongside different guys. Um, you know, he's on a six-game point streak right now head- that he had heading into the break. Um, he's been able to build some of that chemistry with Leo Carlson up front, um, and they've played alongside Troy Terry and Ryan Strom, so a couple different guys up there. But, yeah, Rico has been someone that has been a steady presence for the Ducks and certainly I can imagine would bring in a good value at the trade deadline should that be the direction that the Ducks go. And I know that his name has been really talked about as of late. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what shakes out on that end. But um, just he's a great guy in the locker room, too, because you talk about that veteran presence. He's been in the NHL for a long time to this point and been in Anaheim for a long time, too. So, um, you know, he he would certainly be missed. But he definitely, I can see, would would certainly bring in a a good value, um, you know, as the Ducks look ahead to building for that younger future. The uh, Alexis Downey, our guest host and content producer for Duckstream. The the Ducks haven't played since January thirty first. Rust never sleeps. The Oilers only played one time. Uh, often we frame this in media as being a big advantage. I don't know that it is because everybody's still kind of getting back. Uh, how have uh, practices gone? How's the feel of the team? What's what's uh, what's the the situation injury wise? Any news to report from that end? 
Yeah, that's actually a good question. So today uh, we're having a late practice. We haven't even practiced yet. It's going to be 2 o'clock Pacific time, so I'm going to be heading to the rink here in a little bit shortly. Um, The team, they practiced yesterday um, for a little bit, so they really haven't had a lot of of time since they've been back. They were off for such an extended period of time um, that I I actually don't have many updates on that end. I might get some of that later this afternoon at their late practice, but – um, I do know that Pavel Mintikov is someone that has been out for a while, and I understand that he was close and just knowing that the All-Star break was going to give him some time to um, recover a little bit more so he could be someone that we see potentially tomorrow. But, um, you know, I- I'm not exactly sure if he's as close as that and could be more of a next-week thing, give him a couple more more days. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly been quite a quite a time off that the, the team has had. They, they really haven't um, been back for too long. Thanks for this. Appreciate it, Alexis. Thank you so much. All right. There you go. Alexis Downey, host and content producer from Duckstream. The The Ducks are an interesting club. They are... It, the Pacific is, is like... It's a mad, mad, mad world where you have San Jose and Anaheim that are... Like, they're building, but they have really nice building blocks. We just talked about some of the the Ducks. Sharks have similar... And then you've got Calgary, which is, I don't think they're going to rebuild. They're more going to reload. And so they're, they're offloading some of their free agents, but I think they'll be very aggressive in free agency. They'll have lots of money and they're a team that will very quickly look like a contender, maybe even by the fall. And then you've got the Kraken who are, you know, I, I, they're not quite Vegas level, but they are a tough out and they've had, you know, some success already. As an expansion franchise, Los Angeles, I, I, McClellan leaving is interesting to me. I don't know. Right now, the Oilers are in a great spot. They have two games in hand on LA, and they have three points in, ahead of the Kings. And in the last ten, they the Oilers have had eighteen points and eight for LA. So LA's lost a lot of ground. Ten points in the last ten games. Can they recover that? If they can't, then the orders are definitely third or second, I think, in the Pacific Division. But Vegas is always going to contend. Vancouver looks good. They still have salary difficulties, but so do the orders. So this division is, you know, the orders started 2-9-1 and to look at the, where they are, but they had to really Herculean effort to get there. This is a really tough division. Often the Pacific gets no respect or little respect. I think this year it's... It's a it's a division to to kind of fear a little bit uh, because if you play them in a crossover situation, they're going to be battle hardened by you know the end of the second round, and then Anaheim and San Jose are building. I know they're not going to be you know a powerhouse next year, but what they're doing looks very good. All right, one thirty two. Do we have anything? Do we have anything in the final segment? It is completely open. I would presume it's going to be a bit of an Oilers look ahead to tomorrow against the Ducks and, of course, the weekend against the Kings. But, uh, yeah, it's completely open. We can do whatever we want. Well, I'm going to tee it up right now. In the next couple of minutes, I'm going to read some of the... We're looking for phrases like shirts off for Horkoff. And we've got some good ones. Dudley says, fly idle for dry sidle. Close away for Deharnay. Ramen... For Hyman. (laughs) 
Reverse from Park for Yanmar. I mean, not everything's gold. A first-time texter had, let's cook up something special with Bobby Flay and DeHarnay. I thought that was pretty creative. <laughs> we greatly appreciate that. Stanley Cup winner for Skinner. I'm not reading that, Joe Bananas. It's funny, but I'm not reading it. I'm not. I'd like to. doesn't even rhyme. No, it, well, <laughs> doesn't. But it, the wet and dry part is where... There, I went ahead and said it anyway. Damn fool that I am. Um, crank the radio for Devo. The Devo thing I like because one of the frustrating things about hockey players is they often have the worst, most uh, um, predictable nicknames, like Smith is Smitty and stuff like that. Uh, I thought Hammer was always good for Hemsky, but I like Devo. It shows a little bit of creativity. Shirts and Skinners for the Cup winners in the fray for DeHarnay. Let's all play for DeHarnay and the curse with Nurse. Okay, well, some of these, some of these we can't, and you know, and I'm not reading that about the thing that rhymes with Zach, something out for Zach. I'm not doing that. I'm not. We had a little bit of reminiscing going on in the comment section about Pat Quinn and about his... Uh, he had ways of saying things like sucking hind banana and everybody's a Barbara Ann Scott out here. And he, I remember one time uh, Mark Pouliot was hurt and he said he's got this pubis thing. <laughs> and Pat Quinn was a great coach. He really was. But it, uh, I enjoyed his humor. We, the the orders went from Craig McTavish, uh, probably the most articulate coach this team will ever have, and a guy with a wicked sense of humor and very comfortable in front of a microphone. And then Pat Quinn, who was, I mean, he was not uncomfortable anywhere, so he just said what he said. And then they've got, you know, Tom Rennie, who is, uh, I think, a politically correct kind of guy in terms of what he would say. Um. And then Dallas Akins, who Dallas Akins, I found him to be fascinating and interesting. And uh, he had a very short shelf life here. But I hope he finds another uh, another uh, coaching position. Because I, I do think when he took over in Anaheim, they were in a building mode. And I don't think that was necessarily the best application of Dallas Akins' talents. Now we're going to get some texts. People are going to be all over that. Scouts honor for Connor. Okay, well, I'm not doing anything that's, that has rack in it, okay? We're just not doing that today. High climbing with Hyman. Um, thongs for Leon, does that rhyme? Yeah, it's not bad. Okay. It's not bad. I like don't idle, we have dry sidle. Okay, I like that too. People are people are really pushing the appropriateness of this thing. And well, shirts off for Horkoff, I guess, was inappropriate, but... It wasn't so offensive that you couldn't use it on radio. We opened the door low tide. We have no one to blame but ourselves. Oh, I, 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 I really didn't. No, I, I <laughs> stared clear. I'm once again innocent. You saying I opened the door? Uh, no, it just okay. they, they, the door was beaten down by by a wild throng, as always happens on this show, and we are just victims. That's all we are. Okay, it's one thirty six. On the way, more of your comments, more of your rhymes. Okay, but keep it. Don't use rack anymore. All right, this is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Visit wolfgmcbuick.com. Whip it good.
Anybody rhyme with good on the orders? Could do whip it good for the neighborhood. That's not bad. That's well, not bad. Uh, I like that. Uh, That's off the top, too. That's pretty impressive. I'm a goner for Connor. <sighs> dry sidle has possibility because you got dry, dry sidle, idle, dry sidle. <laughs> you have to be able to speak in order to do the rhyme, but. And there's so many nicknames. Like, I don't even, like, what's Fogel's nickname? What did people call him? It's the weirdest thing. And I always, like, I always have to stop and say, what's his nickname, Declan? Fogel's nickname? Yeah. I, don't, I can't think of it off it's, the top of my head. I'll have to look it up. Oh, damn it. Oh, I can't remember. But whenever I look at it, I go, it's something about the way he looks. I can't remember the name of it. Um. And I always kind of giggle. McLovin, that's it. <laughs> McLovin. Oh, Oiler fans, they kill me. They just do. <laughs> if you only knew how many bad nicknames there were in NHL history, you'd know how good McLovin is. Uh Side sidle with dry sidle, yeah. Scouts honor for Connor. Cheer for nurse, or I'll hit you with my purse. Seems a long one. Um, remember when Quinn was mad and said, "You only fight with dirt with dirt." <laughs> for shanked one dirt. I, when I was a kid, my dad had this phrase. And I never really understood it, and I still don't. But he used it in a way, when he said it, I knew it was like he was at the end of his rope with whoever he was talking about. He would say, whoever, you know, Jim, that was my grandpa, Jim is being dirt mean. And I've never understood that phrase, but I use it because it, it's, it's an effective, if you, if you knew my dad, he didn't he didn't like get mad that much. But dirt mean just sounds really bad. Like how could you be worse than dirt mean? All right. The whole McLovin thing. It just kills me. McLovin is a fantastic. I know it is. Well, I, yeah. Did you ever see Superbad? I movie? did not. I did not. Yeah. So the like the guy who gets the fake ID named McLovin, his name was Fogel in Superbad. <laughs> I probably well, that makes sense. That yeah, makes... I probably should have put that together before I didn't know the nickname. But yeah, great. That's worth a rewatch. Um, uh, no, it isn't. You know, you want to rewatch something? Rewatch Rear Window. Oh, that's a great movie too. I'll watch them back to back and compare yeah. the two. Grace Kelly in that movie. Come on now. I mean, James Stewart is like, he's way too smart to be that stupid in the movie. All right. Yeah, McLovin is really good. Party all day for DeHarnay. Flying with Ryan. 
throw your clothes away for Deharnay, which is in the spirit of hats off, or uh, shirts off for Horkoff. lot to do with getting rid of clothes. I've well, noticed. that's it. Buck naked for McDavid, which sort of works. You don't see, you don't hear a lot of buck nakeds anymore. Stark naked is gone too. Nobody's stark naked anymore. Oh, I don't think I've ever heard the phrase stark. Oh naked. no, stark naked was quite the deal back mm. in the sixties. People were like um, shocked by nudity or bare arms. It was it was um, it was a different time. And then the hippies ruined everything with their with their you know nudity and their free love and never going to work and not shaving and various religious cults in mountains. They, is, they really changed the world. It's weird because it was clearly so widely accepted in Maidstone, Saskatchewan. <laughs> I don't know how it didn't reach the rest of the world. My dad hated hippies. I was telling my sister-in-law today about how much he, like, he, he couldn't stand the idea that, that young people were wasting their life by not working because he was born in 1912, and in, by when he was 18, the dirty 30s hit, and they didn't have anything. So he spent his life straightening nails, collecting string, and, like, honest to God, like, when I got out of a job in radio, and he found out what I did in radio, like, just sitting there playing records, he was like, he kept saying to me, you gotta, gotta get a backup job. You gotta, gotta get a job where you're digging, or you're working. You know, like, that was his whole thing. And... Because of the way he lived his life, I worked doubly hard never to have to work as hard as he did. That was my impetus. He worked hard his whole life. He really did. He was like 75 and still employed. I might be still employed at 75, but I won't be lifting anything heavy. McLevin is from Superbad. The guy's name was Fogel. Yeah, I know. I didn't know, but now I know. It's because Fogel is in the movie Superbad. Yeah. That's a Superbad reference, Tide. (laughs) (laughs) You're not supposed to lie. You're giving up my thing here, you know? It's supposed to be that I'm just doing this and, and, you know. I'm sorry. You had me going. It's supposed to be giggling, you know? Because, anyway, the, the, the funniness, the funny, the humor part of that is nobody else knew they were all texting it in. And I'm reading it like they did it one after another after another, and it just builds up. It's a crescendo. It's a thing. I learned that from Jim Rome. Jim Rome says the same thing over again 1,100 times. And the final time he does it, you can barely breathe. Funny how the brain works. Vogel's name is from Superbad. Yeah. This one I don't get from Nard Dog. Show your feeties for Cody Cece. <laughs> That's a... I don't hate all, it. First, first of all, I think it's borderline fetish. And secondly, it doesn't rhyme. It's cl- it's like an adjacent rhyme, though. Feedies, Cece. Like, you can stretch mm. the syllables and it is Is it adjacent, um, you know, fetish or no? Oh, I don't know about all that, but... I was just... I was talking strictly about the rhyming portion. We should just ask Mrs. Andrews. She'll know. They call him McLovin because of the character from Superbad. His real name was Fogel. No. McLovin comes from the movie Superbad. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but it is. <clears throat> when you repeat it and repeat it, and you, you, like, you're seeing me do this. I'm doing it on purpose, but it's really funny. It just, I don't know why. <clears throat> Let's win her for Skinner. 
Vogel is McLovin. Scouts honor for Connor. <laughs> I can't read that, Gilligan. <laughs> Let's get high for dry. I guess it's legal now. We could, I don't know. Okay, we're 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 getting body parts rhyming with newbies now, so we're we're going back down the old elevator shaft. Boogie for Nuji, Noogie. <laughs> the Picard rhymes are not hitting the air, just so you know. No, the Smitty ones. Is there a Smitty on this team? No, but okay. I mean, Ryan, Jason, it's in, it's ingrained in Oiler culture. What it's become now is it, it's just like everyone's trying to push it. Yeah, it's I like think how right. far can yeah. we get? It's like school, know? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like trying to get the teacher who doesn't know the word is now whatever. Well, it, the, the cribbage term. Yes. You know. It was the worst of times. It was the best of times when yeah. the teacher would laugh at the first joke. And then all of a sudden it was open season to make the teacher laugh. And, and then, then the teacher wouldn't laugh. And much. then the principal yeah. would come by and everybody was in hell. Yeah. Once Mr. Caustic was in there, whoa, you knew you were um, in trouble. My my principal was named Mr. Ratushinak. And when he would leave the room, people would they do spitballs out of their pen. And you'd get whacked in that. And you'd turn around and you'd send a spitball back. And that's when he'd walk back in the room. And then you'd be in trouble and you'd try to explain. But explaining to to adults in the 70s was like, it, they didn't care. They just mm. didn't. And they didn't bother to listen. So they'd say, you, you know, office. And then you'd have to talk to Mrs. Eisness. She was tough. She didn't. Yeah. I would always rather talk to Mr. Eisness because he was kind of a pushover. Mrs. Eisness, she saw you coming a mile away. She knew what you were doing, and she wasn't taking any of your crap. They were a married couple who both worked in school administration. Yeah, yeah he well, they were both teachers, and he was the principal. She was the vice principal. But and I'm not telling stories out of school. She was the 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 hammer because he was like he was a little he was a sweet man. He really was, uh, but he was a little absent minded. But she had she was unerring. She would hone in on whatever you're were trying to do, and she would unravel every argument you ever made. Never got away with a damn thing. She was like Mrs. Andrews, only she was fair about it, so you couldn't even get mad about that. She's a very good teacher. So was he. He was a little absent-minded, though. One day I'll tell you about all of my teachers in high school. I remember them very well. I would love that. No, Mon- How about Monday. No, no, because I, I don't, you know, not everybody would love it. Oh, so we'll get lunch <laughs> and you'll tell me. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Dornstotter, Mr. Uh, Afseth. He's the Mr. Afseth. <laughs> he's, he's the guy who said, he said, he says to me, are you friends with Terry? And I said, yeah. He goes, you better get some help on science, son. <laughs> you better go over to his house every night. Okay, thanks. I just tuned in, gents. Sounds like we're rhyming with Hyman, but I'm liking the Viking. Oh, good one from Garrett Oil. There you go. Take off your shoes for Nuge. Rocking with knob locking. (laughs) 
Where did that go? Things are flying here. Are we getting lots of these? We were. My goodness. This uh, this brought brought together the text line like nothing else we've ever done. Well, you know, of course, it's a last minute, and it was not. It was. I don't think it was our idea. I've only seen the text line like this twice. Once was one of my declinations, and the other was when we talked about chocolate bars. Well, maybe that's telling us something. <laughs> we have the mold, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for tuning into the Lowdown. More on the NBA deadline. More on the Oilers in Anaheim tomorrow night. Thanks so much for tuning in. Jason Greger is next. It's time for a sports update.